Welcome back to another episode of Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest on New Mexico United. I am one of your hosts, Seth Bidoff, and coming up on this week's show, the final four is set, social media gets after the USL, and the end is always bittersweet. This is, of course, episode number 20 of our show, and we want to thank everyone for their continued support of what we're doing here over on our channel and on the podcast. We, of course, would not be here without you guys and your continued support of everything that we do. That includes the pod, like I said, the podcast, being here live on Twitch, and you know the show just continues to grow. And again, that's that's all thanks to you guys You're coming in week after week, consuming the content, and hanging out with us and being a part of the show. Before we get into this week's discussion, I do, of course, want to remind you guys that we do have written content over on our website, dadventuresmedia.com. Um, now that the season is over, we're going to try to have some stuff somewhat regularly throughout the off season. We don't know what yet, but, uh, we will have, try to have something for you guys. And uh, as far as United goes, and of course, outside of that, Jacob and I do talk about our lives as dads. And, uh, there sometimes is some video game news and notes over there on that little tiny bit of housekeeping there and get that out of the way. I'm going to go ahead and bring in my, co- my two co-hosts this week. You guys know both of them, Jacob Terrell and Neuro Nieto guys. One quick question. Who's going to win the World Series? Nobody. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Wait, World Series. I'd be okay that, with that. Is that another sport going on? Yes, yes. Baseball's still going on right now. I'm hoping the Rays, and I think it will be the Rays. I'm going to go back to 2016 and just say the Cubs. The Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I would love to see the Rays win it. I think uh, that would be interesting. I definitely don't want to see the Dodgers win. Uh, but I do have to say that we kind of, I think we kind of talked about it the other day how this could have the potential for being um, one of the worst watched World Series ever. And I got an alert from ESPN earlier saying that it was game one was the lowest watched game ever in the history of the MLB playoffs. So not really surprised. I mean, you don't have any, you've only got the one major market in there. I can only imagine what it would have been if the Braves and the Rays had been in there because we all know MLB doesn't like those markets for whatever reason. So. Did you guys see the picture of it's Kershaw and Mookie? I think it's Mookie Betts. Kershaw and Betts this year are making like 26 point something million. And the whole Rays team is making like 28. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. That might even be backwards, by the way, too. I think it was Kershaw and Mookie making 28. And the Braves making 26. they They don't make quite as much as the Braves or as the Rays. It was just hey, hey, below. Hey, hey, just give me my moment of hating the freaking Braves. <laughs> what, what are the Braves, what have the Braves ever anything? done to you? And the Dodgers. I mean, I, I hate every team but the Cubs. Yeah, well, hey, yeah. do you remember that time in the wild card game when the Rockies beat the Cubs? <laughs> I want to go back to that day. Was this every year but 2016? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, so you guys who are here with us each and every week and listen to the podcast know that we are not here to talk about other sports typically, and we're not the B-Cast. We're not any of those things, at least tonight anyway. Uh, we are here to talk soccer, New Mexico United specifically, and uh, we will get into the match here shortly. There are a few things that we did want to touch on real quick uh, before we get into our United uh, review. So the conference sort of semifinals did sort out this past weekend. Looking around the league, uh, Phoenix did beat uh, Reno. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that happened. I believe that was, uh, that was on PKs there, went to extra time. And then over in the Eastern Conference, 
Louisville beat St. Louis and Tampa beat Charleston Battery. A uh, quick update on our our playoffs pick them. Earl sitting in last place with five points. Jacob sitting in second with six, and I have eight points. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance, yes. <laughs> it would, it would of course, take me being horribly wrong on these. Um, so your final four clubs here are Louisville versus Tampa in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then uh, Phoenix against El Paso in the Western Conference Finals. Did you guys get to watch any of the other matches uh, I know we did our watch along on Saturday night. We were kind of keeping an eye on everything. Uh, did either of you go back and watch any of them to any sort of extent? Other so than the, I was just watching. Highlights? I was watching the St. Louis game before we hopped on. Um, I guess it's the life of being in a hotel room and not really wanting to swim in a nasty hotel. Um, so yeah, so I was watching the the St. Louis Louisville game, the Battle of the Lou the, the Louisvilles. I would say. Um, Lewis's the Lewis's I don't know either way <laughs> battle of the lose there you go how about that sure we'll go with that um it was a really good match and I enjoyed it until I turned it off and started watching United and then it was good until the end and I'm not sure I've been sober since I did not go back and watch anything I had to take a hiatus from soccer for the rest of the weekend except for to watch Tottenham look fantastic, and then I turn it off for a half a match. No, 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 no. It was more than a half a match. It was until the literally the last fifteen minutes, and then the wheels came off. But I wasn't watching then, so to me, they still won three nil. So I don't care what it actually says. So it was your fault that I lost. No, it was a little while after I stopped watching that they (laughs) fell apart. Okay, I mean, I guess you that's better to say that than uh. As soon as I stopped paying 100% attention to the Braves game the other day, the Dodgers started scoring. Yeah. I had to get up and give my son a bath. And as soon as I did, the Dodgers scored. So so I took complete and total responsibility for that. Yes. Your fault. It's my fault. The stupid World Series. (laughs) Yeah, that's my fault. Could possibly be the year of LA. Uh, yeah, so we know the, the, the conference finals matchups Louisville versus Tampa. Do you guys have any thoughts on this here, real quick? I'm excited for that match. Um, I don't, I, I'm not super, super familiar with the East, as we say all the time here, but um, I do know that those are two teams that I thought were probably two of the better teams in the East all year. And, you know, I mean, Lucity is obviously one of the best teams in the USL, having gone to the championship. If they make it this year, it'll be every year that they've been in existence, I believe. So um, that's a, huge accomplishment that that would be. And then Tampa Bay, you know, we got two players from them last year uh, that performed really, really well for us in Najem and Tanari, and they didn't seem to miss a beat. So uh, they definitely have talent over there that it, it should make for a very good game. And I'm in the same boat. I mean, I don't obviously follow, uh, I don't obviously follow the East at all. Um, judging by my picks. Hence my five points. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd be in the same boat of I'd be happy with whatever team as long as it's a good match. Yeah, I mean, the past two seasons, we've gotten someone from Tampa Bay and they've all three panned out at least. Yeah. Yeah, this should be a fun match to watch. I haven't checked to see what time it's at yet. 
I'm hoping that these two matches are not at the same time. Uh, I mean, this is two weekends where we've seen terrible scheduling from the USL. So hopefully I can at least sit down and watch one of these because I'm definitely not going to watch the other one. They've had the East two hours before most of the Western matchups the whole time. So I, I think we should be clear to watch both of them if we so desire. Yeah, so it looks like uh, Tampa Bay and Louisville City is going to kick off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and then the second match will be at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, both on the 24th. So that is Saturday night. Can we go Mountain Time? Can we go Mountain Time? (laughs) 5.30 and 8.30. How about that? Is that better? That's what my ESPN says, too. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going off the USL Championship website. And, of course, you know, most places they put everything in Eastern Time because for whatever reason, apparently the East Coast is dominant. I don't know why, but we need to get away from that, folks. Everything needs to be in Central Time. I think that make it easier for everybody here. So. No, I I completely disagree with this take, Seth. You disagree with that? Okay. I, I the only reason why is because my whole life it's always been Eastern time, and I know right away I see it and go up oh, two hours, and that's it. If you changed it now on me after thirty one years of just focusing on two hours difference, then I would just be shaking. I'd be central. Is that an hour? Is that it's got to be an hour, right? And then I would get confused. Just. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with the time unless, unless you get rid of daylight savings time. That I would be all for. Well, see, my family never can tell the time difference between you know the East Coast and here. So I figure if you just go everything off Central Time, there because that's what they think. They they already think we're an hour behind them, no matter where we're at. To to make them feel better, I can't even tell time. So, <laughs> so maybe my five year old can teach you a lesson there. Yes. <laughs> All right, so predictions for Louisville Tampa, guys. You go first, Seth. <laughs> Louisville Tampa. All right, me go first. You guys, <laughs> I see what you're doing there, Jacob. I see what you're doing. Uh, this is going to be a fun match to watch. They both played well throughout the season. I feel like they both have some strengths to them. I think Louisville has played slightly better than Tampa this year. So I'm going to take Louisville over Tampa. I'm going to take Tampa then. You see, and I'm I'm sitting at fifth. At five points, so I'm in like 19th place right now. So I'll uh, I'll take the upset and go Tampa. Here you go, Tampa. All right, all right. So here we go. I think Tampa has the the ability to beat Lucity. It's hard not to go with Lucity on their postseason resume since they've been a club, but um, I think this is it. I think the streak ends this year. All right, you guys heard it here first. Louisville is not going to make it according to Jacob. So Louisville losing, is it like Heartbreak Undertaker losing or? See, you went to the wrestling and that's just, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 here, here we go. Here we go. If Louisville loses, it'll find, it'll be like when the Undertaker finally lost at WrestleMania. That's, that's what it'll exactly be. exactly what I meant. So, okay. I got you. Okay. I got cool. you. I think that's a bold statement. I think that's uh, kind of going out there a bit. I mean, Taker losing at, at WrestleMania, that's something you just don't mess with. I did cry because I was there. To be fair, wrestling is fake. So Hey, 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 so are movies. <laughs> hey, I'm not... Look, I don't watch wrestling anymore, but I was a huge fan, even when I knew it was fake way back in the day. So, like I argued with my mom all the time, was... <laughs> 
I understand that it's fake, but it's like a soap opera for men. Okay, just let me have this. All right. You know, if we're gonna talk a Louisville upset here, if we're gonna talk them losing in terms of wrestling, it's gonna be the Montreal Screwjob. That's ooh, what it's gonna be. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, you're touching, you're touching some fine lines right there. I think and, it's fairly accurate, though. And this is when I check out because I have no idea what you. Just okay, said. so the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, Bret Hart was set to leave WWE, and he was going to have one less match and retain his title and then relinquish it. Well, the writers and Vince McMahon went behind his back and screwed Bret Hart out of retaining the title in this Sometimes, final match with WWE. Okay, we need to have. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what we need to do. I don't know if it's a podcast, a wrestling podcast, or an episode about wrestling, or what. But we, we can invite Peter that night. We can. I got some Vince McMahon takes too. XFL RIP. No, no, no. no it's the still Rock, there. The Rock oh, I know, I know. The Rock, the Rock bought it. It's just so, not. Yeah. It's not the same person. So yeah, no. The XFL will be back, of course. But uh, all right. So those are our picks for the Eastern Conference, and we're gonna go ahead and move on to the match that I don't think any of us really want to talk about. And I got hot takes. Remember, hot takes. We do have. We do have. Is so we do have hot takes, and we'll get into this here in just. A second. I think it kind of falls into the whole social media takes on the USL thing here in just a minute. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. All right, so Phoenix versus El Paso. Both clubs advanced on penalty kicks uh, from the Western Conference semifinals, neither of which sat well with, with any of us. We were really, you know, we were super disappointed about both results. Honestly, I think Phoenix is going to get hit by a meteor and both clubs are going to lose. That's my pick. And that's my prediction. <laughs> I just. I mean, if we have to pick them, if we absolutely have to pick them, I'm taking, I have to go with Phoenix over El Paso purely from a match play standpoint, from a talent on the field. I think that Phoenix is is the better club. So if we, I'll let Jacob go last because he has all the hot takes today. Um, So if we have to pick, I am still picking the Rapture. That caught me off guard. That was funny. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm, I'm also tired, so it, it, it made it funnier. Ooh, that was funny. So, if a playoff game could go into a draw, this would be it. I mean, it is 2020, so I still pick. I still pick the the meteor. Right, so, officially putting Earl down for meteor to hit Phoenix. <laughs> So I pick Phoenix, and that's not my hot take. My hot take is actually that uh, while Phoenix does suck, in fact, for the rest of 2020, I am rooting for Phoenix to win the damn thing. Wow, okay. I mean, that that is a particularly hot take given... Given our, our circumstances. With them. Yes. Given our circumstances and how we feel about Phoenix and... And how the world feels about Phoenix. Yes, and, and the news that's come out this week. It is at this moment that Somos Unidos News is now looking for a new writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so hear me out. Hear me out. So why exactly are you rooting for Phoenix to win the whole thing? Hear me out. Number one, as we talked about in the last episode, to me and Earl at least, I don't remember, I think Seth still said Phoenix was, but to me and Earl at least, the El Paso rivalry has surpassed the Phoenix rivalry ever so slightly. There's one guy 
Earl, you're on the USL fan Facebook page, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Jerry, I don't Mario. know his last name, but it's Mario. yes, that guy. So that guy's posts about El Paso and New Mexico have just pushed me over the edge to a little bit, to an extent, the rest of this year. And I, I, I couldn't handle El Paso's fans if El Paso makes it to the championship. I couldn't do it. I can't Their anyway. fans are absolutely ridiculous. Like, so you guys know that I'm part of the EUSL FIFA tournament on FIFA 20, right? right? Yes. Right. So after the handball incident where we where we defeated San Antonio, quote unquote, handball. quote unquote handball, yes, um, they started in on the on the EUSL Discord about it. one fan in particular. Now this person is was representing. El Paso in this tournament. And so it was really bad that week. You know, did they didn't have even have a, a hand in the match, basically. You know, they had done no stake in that match whatsoever. And then after our match with them, this person was just going on and on about United, the the curse. Now we're getting that warning. Time out, time out, time we're, out. We're getting we're getting an adult warning. Here's our adult <laughs> warning that we have on our Twitch page. <laughs> Yeah, and don't worry. This I will mark this one as uh, as explicit. But no, they were can very just, adamant. Can you bleep it with train noises? Yeah, I, I'm on train. I can. I don't know if I can do train noises, but I can bleep it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, they were. Yeah, this person was just adamant. You know, saying it over and over again, and it's just like they'd already. Like I missed the whole thing the night of because, of course, we were doing the watch along. I wasn't paying attention to the chat. And the following morning, I saw it all, and then like I I popped in. I said, "That's like you know, this is ridiculous. Like this isn't banter." This yeah. is just straight saying, "F you, yeah. F the curse, F the United," and like I said, you know, this person they they had already quit the league. I'm like, so number one, why are they here? Yeah, why are they number here? two, like like I said, this isn't even this isn't banter. This is just straight up F you. Like, and so the person was eventually re- was removed. From what I understand, because I I was driving home from Santa Rosa that day, um, actually via Nueva that day, and so I had plenty of time to do some research into this whole. Twitter tirade that El Paso went on, even though they freaking won the game. Um, from what I understand, and I could be wrong, is that the eighth notch actually chanted that as United was leaving the field. Yes, yes, they were. From what I understood. To be fair, I am going to take a little bit of umbrage with you saying the eighth notch because it very well could have been the eighth notch as a whole, but much like how, when we had home matches last year, there were, was a certain match where a Portland player celebrated in front of the curse and got thrown at them. And that wall, yes, it was in the supporter section and it very well could have been members of the curse that did it. It obviously wasn't the curse that supported it. Or I mean, you saw David out there, as well as the goal kick chant that uh, we all know. Um, people yeah, say it in the supporter section. Yeah, that might be curse members or eighth notch members, but that doesn't mean that the eighth notch necessarily approved of it. So here's here's why I pinned it on the entire eighth notch themselves. It was on their damn Twitter page. Okay. Well, in that case, yeah, that's. It was on that's their fair. Twitter page, which had since been deleted. 
It has since been deleted. Yeah. Go figure, because they are cowards. Um, but yeah, so that's why it is pinned on the eighth notch. And I'm going to officially okay. move the Phoenix Sucks mantra that we run with. And I'm going to pin it onto El Paso Sucks. And El Paso can go to hell like the cursed song that they have. So all of this, all of this conversation right here, lends itself to me rooting hard for Phoenix. <laughs> sure, rooting for them against El Paso is one thing. Um, and, and I think I have a fairly solid case as to why I am doing that. Um, rooting for them against the East, mainly what it is right now is that I'm a huge New Mexico United fan, right? We had a quote-unquote handball incident the same week that Phoenix did. And we caught so much crap for it. Not only the team, but the fans as well. And in both scenarios, like we talked about when they happened, I felt like they were unintentional and that the onus for the anger that people felt about it should have been directed at the ref, if anybody, even though in both cases, I don't think the ref did anything wrong either. Um, But instead, they took it out on the fans of said clubs and on the players of said clubs, and I didn't feel like that was right. So even though the Phoenix fans um, have bad taste, obviously, uh, they have... I've never really had the problem with Phoenix fans that I've had with El Paso fans. And I also can relate and feel bad for what they're going through with their club right now. Cause not only the handball thing, but also the Fleming incident. And I can understand if you're a fan of Phoenix feeling like one player slash coach, I don't necessarily blame the coach for much, but, but one player, one player saying a word, or a phrase, whatever it was, um, should not derail the entire team from trying to succeed. So long story short, I actually feel sympathy for most of the Phoenix supporters. Um, now, some of them, if they're trying to defend what Fleming said, then no, that's terrible. But um, for those that are like, man, Fleming shouldn't have said that. Uh, we had a good team. We should win the championship, blah, 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 blah. If that costs us, then that's going to really suck. So I hate for one person to have that much effect on a whole entire fan base. Um, and I would love for the people that are crying handball over and over and over again to have to see the team that they're crying handball over raise a trophy at the end of the year. So I'm I'm looking at it almost the same as you. Um, I'm going to jump on your same bandwagon and root for Phoenix the entire way. Yeah, that just means that I convinced you, so I'm happy with my my argument. <laughs> <laughs> so here's why I'm... Seth's, Seth's over there going, "Oh, my co-hosts are idiots." Right? <laughs> he's, he's looking at us now, like, "How do I freaking block you guys? How?" How do I quietly eliminate you out of this podcast? Mute. Without hurting <laughs> your feelings. Now news <laughs> is looking for two more podcasters and <laughs> So here's here's my take on the El Paso on the Phoenix bandwagon. Um one, I hate El Paso. 
And after last weekend, <clears throat> um, and the way I felt, I sincerely thought this must be how Hillary Clinton felt when she lost. <laughs> um, I, I felt like crap, honestly. I felt like I got punched in the mouth and didn't know who hit me. Um, so that was part of it. And then hopping on Twitter the next day and seeing the whole bull crap of the eighth notch and their and their adult use of verb of verbal language um or twitter language whatever you want to they pretty much went on a president trump tirade um that kind of pushed me to rooting for phoenix this weekend i'm still rooting for that freaking meteor to hit which i'm hoping it's scheduled um and then between tampa bay and louisville versus versus phoenix i don't know anything about the east um, but I'm going to stick with conference over anything. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with the East. Same way I do with the Super Bowl. Always root for NFC, champ- NFC side because I'm an NFC fan. I get what you guys are saying. I do. <laughs> and did we, did we convince you? That's all that matters. I don't begrudge Phoenix any success that they that they obtain. Now, I, I do still take issue with the fact that Salma Sante Falcon punched their way into the semifinals. There's but. no way he did that on purpose, though. <laughs> that ball was coming in way too hot I, for him to be like, Ninja, hacha. Yeah, I know. Probably not. But, that. but it, still, it, it's. The past. It, I, no, I is. I know. And like I said, I don't begrudge him any success. Like, I know Flemings has been suspended. Chance was suspended. Uh, he has now been reinstated for the finals. Um, I don't. If, if they win, then more power to them. They were able to succeed without their top scorer and without their coach for much of the playoffs or half of the playoffs, basically. So if they win, congratulations to Phoenix. You know, I don't hold anything against them or their fans. I still, like I said, we talked about last day. I still see that as the, as the rivalry. I can't root for them, even if they are the Western conference uh, representatives in the final. And I absolutely will not root for El Paso. Absolutely not. Their fans, their supporters are just, absolutely terrible you can say the in the way that they change. handled themselves <laughs> they're just they're they're so they're really shitty in the way that they handle themselves the way that they interact with people it's not a fan base that i can support and as a result i can't get behind that club not only that just the the players on the team and how annoying and frustrating they are yuma and Ketterer and we talked about our our boy Richie Ryan and the Rich yeah Richie Ryan the, man whoa whoa, whoa. Seth, Seth I said whoa. hot take Seth is coming here dropping f bombs left and right and it's just he's on fire right now uh, I, I'm sorry I just if you look at the way Richie Ryan's acted throughout the, the entire series and the way he acted no, Saturday night me, I'm, I'm I, with you <laughs> I just say it in my heart and not out loud. On a podcast for everybody to hear. It'll feel good to get it out there, Jacob. Let it go. Are, Let it out. There are children listening to this. <laughs> uh, I don't know anyways. about that. I haven't. I haven't seen a children demographic yet. So, <laughs> anyways, anyways. Um, so yeah, you look at the players that they have and their fan base and their social media. Not necessarily the team's social media, but the eighth notch's social media and and whatnot. And and they're just a they're a group that I just, I can't get behind. Like Phoenix at least is like Asante drives me nuts because he flops around like a fish. Um, and then Santi is a traitor. And the only two things that keep me from really 
really, really putting like all my heart and soul behind Phoenix for the next two matches are Asante, Asante, and Chance are the three reasons why I uh, I'm still like it's a hot take. Like I, I am going to root for them for the next two matches, but if they win, I will be happy with a touch of eh behind it because of those three. If it wasn't for those three, then like if they'd have left Chance off for the rest of the playoffs and just had Asante and Santi, Asante and Santi, that's that's gonna mess me up the rest of this time. Um, I would probably feel quite a bit better about him, but them compared to El Paso right now is night and day. And then kind of like Earl said with the conference alignment and stuff like that, I I'd like I'd like the West to win some more championships because as we know, I think we talked about it the other day, the East has won eight of the twelve championships so far. Something I think. like that. Yeah. I think, so, I think West has only won like two of them. Yeah. So it, hopefully the West can get some numbers back up because I think we are the better conference. And unfortunately this year it means that El Paso or Phoenix has to win. Yeah. Now I'm telling you, if El Paso makes it, I will go buy a Louisville or a Tampa Bay jersey. There we go. <laughs> before the match. I, That's I the way care. to do it. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time talking about these other uh, these other matches. There was some USL news this week. We just mentioned one piece of it. Rick Chance, head coach for Phoenix Rising FC, has been reinstated for the finals. Um, and then the other bit of news, and I don't, I'm sure you guys saw this as well. Phoenix Rising FC decided to relinquish the right to host the final should they make it this far. Now, according to the USL, to for, to, to Ryan Madden from the USL, the league has the sole discretion to determine where matches take place or where a championship final is to take place. Supposedly, the Phoenix Rising decision came after a discussion with USL leadership and Phoenix they requested to relinquish the match, the right to host the match, and the USL approved it. Do you think that – so I'm not sure you guys know that basically all over USL social media, people were going after the league saying that Phoenix Rising should not host a match. Now, we kind of texted man. about it. Yeah, Jeff Reuter uh, – He was lighting them up. Yeah, he was, and it just it got all over the place. Jeff Reuter even went so far as, as to say he was questioning whether or not he wanted to, con- to even continue covering the league if they allowed Phoenix Rising to host the final. Now, do we think that Phoenix Rising kind of got the upper hand on the league here by relinquishing the by requesting to link, relinquish the right to host? Or should the USL have just stepped up and said, no, you're not going to host the final this year? Who comes out looking better in all of this? I think they should have hosted the freaking final, but... I know that I'm in the over overwhelming majority or minority here. Um, I understand everything that happened and everything that led up and everything that was bad and everything that was said. I understand all of it. They couldn't relinquish the points because of FIFA rules, not USL rules. So in the standings, as it reads, Phoenix is the top team remaining. So, I, I look at it this way. Yes, they were losing that match. Phoenix fans mainly, especially since they actually have fans that can go to this match. It's just another way that, you know, they, they're they getting punished for something that's out of their control entirely. Now, I understand that some of them would want them to relinquish it because it is, I, I think it's, 
in the long run, it's the right thing to do. But with with how things fell in place over the last two weeks, it's hard for me to say, well, Phoenix had the better goal differential. Phoenix had the same amount of points. Granted, it was from a forfeit, I understand. Um, it's hard for me to go, yeah, they shouldn't host, even though they were a good team this year. Even before the incident, they were a really good team. Like, for one player to say two words, and that derails a whole club's rest of their season, I just don't. It just doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't. So... I'm sure people listening are turning the podcast off right now um, in some cases because of, because of my take here. But I, I just, I understand that it's not a good optic look for USL or for Phoenix if they were to host, but I don't know. It just, I feel like they should have hosted. And then as to answer your actual question that you asked about the USL versus Phoenix, who looks better, who looks worse, whatever. I think this was probably the best course of action to get the match played in the Eastern Conference winner, um, winner stadium because Phoenix comes out looking better because they're the ones actually relinquishing it. USL accepts it. So it's not like they're saying, no, we got to stick to the rules here. I understand that USL could have had the power to say, no, we're not hosting it in Phoenix. We're going to host it somewhere else because of this. Uh, I feel like that's a a slippery slope that the USL didn't really want to go down. Now we're not hosting it in Phoenix. Everybody should be happy. I'm happy. I, like I said, I think in the long run for every, all parties involved, that's probably the best case scenario, but I just feel bad for the Phoenix fans that, should have been hosting a cup um, based on what happened on the pitch. And you can argue with me and say that, well, what happened on the pitch was San Diego was beating them three to one when San Diego forfeited. And that is very true, but San Diego forfeited and that happened on the pitch as well. So based on what happened from the last, from March until now, you look at the standings, Phoenix deserved to host the match. I understand that there were questionable things that happened in between there, but now you're taking away a chance for a potential chance. Cause they still have to beat El Paso. Of course, a potential chance for Phoenix fans and members of the Phoenix team that had nothing to do with what junior Fleming said and had no support for junior Fleming's after he said what he said, they're getting punished for something that a player that isn't even on the team anymore said. If you're joining us now, that, that was Jacob and his, fiery take on whatever crawled up his butt today um it's been a long week man it's been a long week that's all <laughs> i mean how, how do i follow that i don't know honestly you... i don't know how to follow that um then so let seth because i think seth will disagree with me and no, that'll be a good I, way to I, follow. Uh, I completely i don't completely disagree with you i agree with you on some parts, such as the fans getting robbed of a chance to host a cup championship match. Um, I agree with you that Phoenix comes out looking good and the USL looks good as well because the USL didn't 
tell tell Phoenix to screw off. I mean, I'm not really comfortable using the F word on this podcast. Um, <laughs> obviously, my name isn't Seth. Uh, I can't just drop those on 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 cue. Um, so yeah, so obviously the league didn't tell Phoenix to screw off, and they're gonna have it where they where the rules say it's gonna be. Um, so yeah, Phoenix looks good for saying, "Hey, look, we're gonna we're not gonna do it here." Um, the USL looks good for saying, "Okay, we'll we'll take it elsewhere. That's no problem." Uh, would I love to see Phoenix raise a cup? Yes, only because not even Asante or or whoever the heck is on that team, just because of Santi. I mean, Santi was year one with United, a genuine human being. I mean, multiple times we got to talk to him. Just a super cool guy, super genuine human being. And I really can't blame the guy for going to a, a better team. I mean... If you look at the standings and you look at the points, you look at the match we played them this year, Phoenix is the better team, and I will be the first to admit that. Um, do I blame him for taking off to Phoenix? No. Would I love to see Santi here in New Mexico this year? Yeah. But with us losing Santi, that made room for us to bring in Armando Moreno and Romeo Parks. Um, two guys who lit it up this year. I mean, Romeo Parks extended our season for a whole 30 minutes, 45 minutes, however long penalty kicks take. Um, so yeah, so I agree with you just because, I mean, it's the right thing to do, really. So out of all of this, I feel like, with the decision that was announced, Phoenix Rising actually comes out looking better than the league. Now, I, I'm assuming that their decision to request the relinqu- right to relinquish or request to relinquish the rights to host the match was basically USL telling them, hey, you guys do this, save some face. That's what I think happened instead of the USL just coming out with a ban hammer despite having the ability to do that. And so... I think it just I think they kind of worked together to to help the club save some face given everything that's happened over the past 2 or 3 weeks with them and I think it helps. Now I've seen takes on Twitter saying that it should just be held at a neutral site, which I disagree with because realistically if you hold a match between say Phoenix and Tampa at a neutral site, where are you going to play? St. Louis? Who's going to go to that match? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, it's a thousand miles either way, basically, twelve hundred miles either way, or something like that. I I don't know the math off the top of my head, obviously, but a neutral site is not the answer to this. Now, unless you did it like you know college football style, where you had like one location every single year, but to just randomly say okay, neutral location for one year, it's not going to work. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think. Phoenix comes out better for it. I think that it does help the club save a little bit of face. Um, and I think it does help them given everything that's gone on the past few weeks. Agreed. All right. So shall we move on to our match review? Cause I think we've kind of talked 
all the other stuff more than we really wanted to anyway. So I don't, sure. I don't want to, but I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> but if we have to, sure. Well, that's why we're here. The guys, like, I know it sucks, but I mean, that's why we're here. So we said we would talk about it. New Mexico United did play Phoenix. I'm uh, sorry, not Phoenix. They played El Paso locomotive this past Saturday night. Ended up losing on penalty kicks. It was kind of a kind of a weird match in, in a sense. Like El Paso came out and they they looked pretty good in the first half. Like we kind of United kind of looked flat a little bit. We didn't really control possession. In fact, we were if, if you get the, the halftime stats, we were you know trailing in possession. Uh, El Paso scored first and the 30th from Dylan Mares, guy that we've seen time and time again. We've talked about him throughout the season. You can't let him shoot from there. You can't let him, you know, have space. You can't and getting that right-footed shot from, you know, the the left corner of the box like we knew that something he had in his kit, something he had available. Put in a fantastic goal. Can't be, you know, don't begrudge him that. I mean, it, was, it was it was a very well-taken shot. Went to the far right corner. They went up uh again in the 30th minute. And that lead lasted all the way until the last minute of stoppage time when substitute Romeo Parks came in and basically skipped the ball into the bottom left corner of the goal uh, off his right foot. And yeah, it just, I know we, you know, if you were here for the watch along, we were just absolutely stunned by that goal. United was going into extra time and then pretty much nothing happened. I mean, we tried. We tried, we just we couldn't get anything in. And if you look at the the end of match stats, like we just absolutely it shifted from us trailing possession at halftime to basically having sixty percent possession at the end of the match. And so there were some questionable moments in here. I mean, if you look at the substitutions that were used, El Paso brought off all of their attackers, brought off all their forwards, brought in midfielders and defenders to try to number one protect the lead, which didn't end up not working for them, and then. They made more defensive substitutions in, in extra time. And, you know, we talked about it Saturday night. We talked about, you know, having da- Daniel Bruce start the match and then uh, Najem coming on at halftime. Then we saw Amando come off in the 72nd, which we all questioned, you know, for Romeo. I and mean, unfortunately, it paid off, at least in the short term, I should say. You know, we get the, get the equalizer. And then, of course, the match went to penalty kicks. And this here, I think, is where it just kind of, like, broke us, like... The first three kicks for El Paso, Cody went the right way, got his hands on two of them, and they still had enough pace and enough spin on them to where stops that normally would have been deflected out just like went off of Cody's hands and then behind him into the net. I think if it wasn't for that, United would have come out with the win here. And then, of course, you know, we get to our fourth taker. Uh, Romeo stepped up and went to the left side of the box where it was saved by Ketterer. Uh, fairly didn't seem to be a fairly pacey shot. Um, Ketterer, you know, easily saved it. And, of course, you know, that clinched it for them. So, you know, it's just – and we just – or when Zola made his kick, like we just fell – like our, our our mood just fell, and it was one of the most disappointing things that I've ever seen. Like, I would have rather lost the way we did last year in the playoffs than than this year. You know, like this was just absolutely heartbreaking. So, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on the match? We were there for the watch long. Every if you watched the watch long with us, you kind of kind of saw how it went. I had already kind of 
conceded the game to El Paso going into stoppage time there in the second half. So when Romeo scored, and I saw all the possession that we were having and the attacking presence that we were having, when Romeo scored, I thought it was over, man. I thought I thought we were going to come back into extra time and we were going to put a goal or two up, and and that was going to be that. Um, so and then even when it went to PKs, you know we we've been in PKs three times this year or last year. One was against Phoenix in the Open. All were in the Open Cup, of course. Uh, Phoenix, Colorado Springs, Colorado Rapids. Um, and we came out on top in all three of those. And for whatever reason, I just assumed that uh, we were going to make it through. So when Romeo's ball was stopped, and, well, let if I'm being completely honest, when um, Cody got his hand and foot or leg or something on that first kick by El Paso. <clears throat> as soon as that ended up going in, yeah, you don't like your chances there because most of the PKs shootouts that I've seen, the goalie really has one or two chances and that's about it. And if he makes those chances, then you're going to move on. And if he doesn't, you're not most of the time. So as soon as that happened, I had a feeling in my gut. But I was like, yeah, it's okay. We've got good PK. We got we got good penalty takers. We'll be all right. And so when Romeo missed his, that's kind of when I, even before Zola made it, it was like, mm, this is probably over. And um, so I disagree with the, I would rather lose how we'd lost last year in the playoffs. Because um, to me, this is what sports is about. It's not, um, you got to take these gut-wrenching losses um, to have, you know, fantastic wins like the San Antonio match or fantastic moments in general, like Romeo, uh, equalizing there in the last minute of stoppage time. So while it did suck, it was a gut punch. It could be part of why I'm grumpy tonight. I don't know. Um, but it's just going to make when we do win a championship, cause I do believe New Mexico will win a championship in the next two, three, four years. Um, it's just going to make it that much sweeter. And especially if we can keep this core together um, next year, I think they'll remember that and they'll go into it saying, hey, we're not going to get this thing into penalties right this year or this time. We're just going to go out and kick everybody's ass. And and I think that that'll make, make these players and, and uh, us fans um, just make it mean that much more when we do win. I'll I'll do my best not to not to go on a rant or tangent. Um I have a pretty good knack at doing that. Uh so here's my take is United started off slow for the first seventy minutes. Um we finally pulled our head out of our tail and decided to play the last twenty minutes of a match. Um and we scored. Uh I seriously to this moment, still think it was a mistake to um, sub off Mondo for Parks. I still think that. Jacob can shake his head all he wants. I still think it was a mistake to replace Mondo with Parks. I would have, no, I'm not complaining about Parks coming on. Obviously, Parks coming on played a pivotal role in the match. 
I would have much rather had Parks come on for a midfielder like Juan Pablo or really anyone but Mondo. Um, obviously, we since I've been on this podcast the past six weeks, I think it's been however long it has really been. Um, everyone, everyone here knows that I am not a huge fan of Juan Pablo Guzman. I mean, I'm not going to hide the fact that I feel like he plays lazy sometimes that he doesn't really hustle. It showed some it showed sometimes in this past match against El Paso. It definitely showed against San Antonio that Juan Pablo takes some takes some plays off and it sometimes bites us to to where we can't return to where we need to be. Um Am I a fan of Romeo? Of course I am. Uh, I love the way he plays. I love how much confidence he's built back up after having that 0 for 5 match, I think it was, uh, back in the middle of the season. Um, yeah, so I, I am a huge fan of Romeo Parks. I hope United does bring him back next year um, because he is – one of those super subs that Brucey was last season when the one that Brucey was at the beginning of the season. Um, going into extra time, I feel like we took the rest of the night off and pretty much defended the tie. We didn't really push the pace to score. We didn't really bite the bullet and take chances to do something incredible. We kind of just hung out and hoped for the best. Uh, then we go into penalties, which I love and hate. And as of last Saturday, I officially hate them. Um, so yeah, going into penalties, super excited about it until Ketter steps up. I can't really stand Ketter. He looks like male genitalia. Um, I mean... If we're being honest here, um, can't really stand him. <laughs> uh, completely lost my train of thought after that one. <laughs> you, you, your own joke. <laughs> oh, that's where I was going. That's where I was headed with this. I, I thought we looked really good up until Romeo took the half-hearted shot. Now I know I was saying. Good. I saw a lot of people say that it was lazy and this and the other. And, and it wasn't the best penalty I've ever seen in the world by far. Um, I'm not saying the, the, the penalty was lazy. By no means was it lazy. It was half-hearted, I think, in the hopes of catching Ketter off guard and ha- hoping Ketter went the wrong way. Right. By to no me, means was it lazy. Me, Good. To, lazy, half-hearted, um they're not the same thing, but they, they, they lead me to the same thing is where I think that he wasn't like nonchalant, lazy, half-hearted about it. I think he was just trying to be calm and not let the moment get to him. Cause I, I, I could see, I could see somebody coming in there being amped up, try to put pace on it and end up skying it over the bar and, and screwing it that way. So at least he put it on frame and I think he was trying to be calm and cool with it and ended up 
wanting to make sure he hit the frame and not sky it or push it wide. And because of that, he didn't get enough on it uh, or place it in a corner where it would be harder for Ketterer to get because it was kind of at chest level. Um, and it was a decent save by Ketterer. So it wasn't the best penalty I've ever seen, but I don't think it was lazy. I don't necessarily think it was half-hearted. I think he was just trying to remain calm and and wanted to hit the frame and give himself a chance if Ketterer chose the wrong way. I'm going to stand by my uh, half-hearted comment. And sure. if if Romeo does listen to this, which I doubt he does, I doubt anyone listens to this, especially after today. Um, <laughs> really? If anybody listens to this, I am still standing by the fact also that I am a huge Romeo Parks fan. I 100% wholeheartedly hope and pray that we see him next season again. Um, Hopefully in black and yellow and not in red and black or some other stupid color like blue and freaking whatever the hell their other color is. Um, Sorry, sky baby blue. And whatever other colored train wrecks look like. Um, yeah, so I, I wholeheartedly hope to see Romeo Parks next back next season. The next Great United season is done uh, after making it to the Western Conference semifinals. Uh, we're going to have a lot more in the coming weeks as far as once news starts to come out as far as who's staying, who's going. And we'll have a lot more in the off season. Um, you know, the guys had, the guys really did have a great season considering they played every single match on the road this year. Um, and it's just, I think it's a testament to what they've done on and off the pitch, a testament to the work ethic that Troy has helped put into them. Um, I know Earl's only got a few minutes left, so we won't go too much longer. I do have, one more question for you guys. I've kind of seen it trickling out across social media that there is a hashtag Troy out movement starting. Some people are starting to do this. Um, I've seen it on Reddit. I haven't necessarily seen it on Twitter yet. I'm fairly certain it's been on Facebook as well. Now the argument is that Troy base is, is a decent coach, but not good enough to where to get us where we want to be. Now, I honestly, I have to disagree. And I think two seasons with an expansion club that's made the playoffs in both years, made the playoffs in the second year, made it to the, uh, the Western Conference semifinals after playing 17 matches on the road. This is not the time to get rid of Troy. That's where I'm at with this. I think the hashtag Troy out movement is absolutely stupid given what this team has accomplished in two years. I think you've got to, I think you've got to give them at least three to four. I mean, no one expects to win a a USL cup within the first three years. I don't think it's a realistic expectation. I would be, I would say last year, the club well exceeded expectations this year. They progressed on that given everything that they faced this year. What do you guys think about the hashtag Troy out movement? That's that's kind of springing up here and there. So here's what I think about the hashtag Troy out. It's shit. <laughs> yes, a cuss word from earlier. There we go. It's ridiculous. 
because the fact that, for one, Troy was, is obviously our first head coach we signed, our first technical director. Um, some might call him the savior of sports in New Mexico, whatever. Whatever they want to call him. Um, the fact that Troy has got us to back-to-back playoff seasons. One of those seasons in a crazy freaking world. I mean, Troy got us the number two seed, obviously in the conference, whatever, in the division. But he got us into a playoff spot, into the second round in 2020 where we have a freaking COVID pandemic going around where he sometimes wasn't even allowed to practice where he was tested three to four times a week because he wanted to play the game that everyone here freaking loves. So the fact that fans are coming out and I'm hoping they're just bandwagon fans and I'm hoping they're the, the Mexican premier league people that are all for throwing their player, their coaches and players under the bus. Um, I'm hoping it's them. And I, if it is them, goodbye. We don't need that crap. For one, New Mexico United has completely changed my view on sports to where I have been a diehard Cowboys fan my entire life. And the fact that I have watched maybe one and a half games of the Cowboys and I haven't missed a single United game, goes to say something. Um, So for the whole hashtag Troy out thing, like I said, it's shit because it's one freaking loss. Get the beep button ready, Seth. All right, we're ready. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll edit this in post. I'm I'm going to one-up Earl's take. Uh-oh, here comes the um, F word. Here comes the F word. <laughs> And, and and exactly say that it's 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 uh it's shit is what it is because look at look at look at the last two years all right one first year first year as an organization Troy's first year as a head coach we made it to the freaking quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup we beat two MLS teams to get there we beat Phoenix to get there three times in penalties. With last year's squad that was proven to not have the depth and proven not to have the top-to-bottom talent or even the top-end talent, really, as this year's club. And we made it to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup last year. Then we fought back at the end of the year after the Open Cup run was over and clinched a playoff spot on the final night of the season. Again, in our first year, in Troy's first year, with a roster that wasn't quite the top level that it that it was this year, especially. Then you come to this year. You add... So David started matches for us. Tanari ended up starting matches for us. Amando started matches for us. Romeo started a match for us. Raiden started every match for us. That's five new very, very key players that you have to figure out how to integrate them into our system, what what formation works best with the crew that we have now, all this stuff. Plus you have, it just added so much. We lost two players of starter caliber, in my opinion, 
Actually, no, I'll take that back. I say, I'll say we lost three players of starter caliber last year. Three, maybe three and a half, because I do feel like Tony Soler and Ethan Sampson um, were both better than what uh, is perceived of them now. Um, but you added five starting caliber players, plus you added Joris and Sammy, who I'm disappointed we didn't get to see as much as Sammy after he had a hell of a preseason. Uh, but Joris made a couple statements during the regular season that he was good. Um, so you have all this new talent that you got to work in. You play one match on the road and you lose against a team that arguably would have been a playoff contender had it been a regular season. Um, and then you have, what, a four-month break with this COVID pandemic? And then you come back. You keep thinking you're going to play games at the end of this restart. So like the last month, you're thinking, oh, we're going to have home games when we started this restart. And then it just keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So we ended up playing 17 matches on the road. We beat San Antonio in San Antonio after they were considered, if not the favorite to come out of the West, one of the top two or three to come out of the West. Handball or not, we played better than them that night. And you can't tell me anything except for we deserved or we were going to win that match even without that handball. And then you lose to an El Paso club that made it to the Western Conference Finals last year, playing them on the road for our fifth time in a season in penalties. And it's not like he stuck to his same... It's not like we played the 4-4-2 this year like we did last year. It's not like he didn't adapt and change because of the new players that we had and the fact that we could do stuff that we couldn't do last year. I thought the 3-4-3 was so much... Or 3-4-3? Yeah, 3-4-3. I can count there for a second. Thought the 3-4-3 was so much better for us this year than anything he did last year. So he's already shown that he's not afraid to change it up. He's not afraid to adapt. He's not afraid to put pieces where they fit best instead of making pieces fit in his system. He's proven that he's super smart, both on and off the pitch to me. He's proven that not only is he a good coach, being the technical director, he's also proven to me that he has an eye for some talent here. I mean, you look at the players that he brought in this offseason and what they did for this club, and that was him, guys. So it wasn't Peter that was going out and making these signings. It was Troy. So he's not just the head coach. He's also the player that or the guy that's going out there and making these signings and saying, hey, Kalen, I know it fell through with you in San Diego, but hey, we've got a starting spot right here. You can come anchor this defense, lead us to seven clean sheets and 16 matches. Or, yeah, 16 matches. And just be an overall stud. Like, he, in my opinion, Kayla Redden should win Defensive Player of the Year. Not just for the team, but for the freaking league. He was that important and that good for us. And it, it's not coached because Kalen's that good of a player. But it took Troy to go get him. So, get the f*** out of here with that. It's, it's ridiculous. It's the same people that are on social media that every time Cody makes one mistake are calling for Phillip to be playing. Or the same people that are bagging on Parks for the penalty kick after he came in, was clearly our best player when he came onto the pitch. 
ended up tying it at the death for us to even go to extra time and then completely ragged on him for missing the PK or having it get stopped. They're the same ones that ragged on him when he had the 0 for 5 match against Real Monarchs in the middle of the season. They're the same people that just consistently talk crap about anything and everything and think that they could do anything and everything better than the people that are in charge here. And we've talked about it. This is my second full season, even following soccer religiously. And I can see that it's not, it doesn't take a rocket science to see that Troy, Troy's the leader of this club. He's the one that's bringing in these people, these personalities and molding them not only as better players, but as better men or picking the men that are coming in that are already upstanding citizens and, and great guys. You lose all that. If you lose Troy, depending on who they bring in, you could bring, they could, we could get rid of Troy and bring in somebody like rich chance who I don't know his heart. And I don't know exactly what's going on there, but he brought in Santi. He brought in Flemings. He brought in Asante. I don't want those kind of players on my team anymore. Santi um, can come back if he wants, but I don't want Flemings on my team if he's going to be out there saying stuff like that. I don't want Santi and his rolling around antics. You look at Santi and you look at Kavan. They were great. I love them to death. They will be part of a season. I was I went through my I was going through my phone pictures the other day, and I have a folder for for all my United pictures from last season. And I was scrolling through, and last season was just magical, just everything that it brought to the community and everything like that. And they'll always be a part of that, and I always have a special place in my heart for that. But I didn't care for Santi's antics on the field, and I didn't care for Kevon's. So they left, and I was upset to an extent. But at the same time. Troy saw that, saw their antics on the field. And I have to believe that he looked at that and said, their talent and what it's going to cost to keep them does not outweigh the fact that I want these kind of people on my team and I don't see them fitting into it. I don't, I don't have any insider information on that, but that's just what I feel. So I'm shocked that you, you brought this up, Seth, because I didn't know it was a thing. I haven't seen it on Facebook at all. Um, I haven't seen it on Twitter either. Uh, so so for anybody to be saying that, they just, they're idiots. And see, that's the thing. Troy is trying to build a culture here. Peter's exactly. trying to build a culture here. You can't get rid of a coach two years into a brand new club and expect that culture to remain. Look at the turnover in other leagues and other sports. Look at the turnover in the NFL. I mean, look at, Grant, I, I hate to bring up the Browns, but they change coaches like every six months and nothing stays the same. Troy is building something here. We we clearly improved the quality of play on the pitch from season one to season two. You can just look at the way that we played last year. Look at the formations that we played last year. Look at how we played and what we played this year. Troy put in a 3-4-3 system that's now being used by another club as well. Mm-hmm. And we have guys that understand how to play in Troy's system that have done really well in the system. Now, if we get just maybe a couple more pieces, I think we're going to be an extremely good position for next season. I, like I, don't you even, said, I don't even know if it's even adding any more pieces. I think if we just come back with this exact same squad and we actually have a season where we can play at home half the time, then I think our whole outlook of this whole season changes dramatically. 
I don't because even. I, I don't even think it's the home game aspect of it. I really don't. I think what it is is the fact that we played one game with a completely new freaking squad. We brought in of last year's twenty four. We brought in what sixteen new guys this year. No, I think we only brought seven new guys. Even at that, I mean, you eliminated your entire core last year. You eliminated the Santi aspect of it, the Kavan aspect of it, the benchmark of it with Tony Soler on the bench, the Ethan Sampson. You didn't have freaking one of your main staples on the back line, Justin Smith. He wasn't around. That's true. So That's this true. whole season... Padilla left, too. Exactly. Manny wasn't there. I mean... Right there, that's six people that I can count off the top of my head that weren't there. That was a key part of last year. I mean, we yeah, we're talking down about Kavan and Santi. But if we actually look at the skill part of it, they had combined, I think, 16 to 17 goals last season alone. It was higher, I think. It might even be higher. Yeah, I think it was, but... What we did this year with the new additions, the pandemic, playing all the games on the road. I think this year, if you, if I, I seriously think if we just come back next year with the exact same squad, or I look at it this way and say, if we had this exact same squad this year, but we were playing home matches, I think that that El Paso match that we just played would be different. Would have been in New Mexico. It would have been in New Mexico for one. I think we would have won first place in this group had we had half the home matches like we were supposed to. So that changes it dramatically. So I think we at least go to the Western Conference Finals, if not to the Cup. And if we play our home matches and the guys don't look tired as all get out, you know, three quarters of the way through the season, and we actually have juice in the tank for the playoffs, we could have been freaking hosting the Cup, in my opinion. So to, to come in here and say that that... Troy is the reason we keep failing in the playoffs is just stupid. It's just ridiculous. Like this club has proven this year that they improved greatly on the field compared to last year. And, and that's Troy. It might not be Troy in the coaching box, but it's Troy, the technical director combined with Troy, the head coach combined with Troy, the leader of men. So I think that's going to just about do it for tonight. We've touched on everything that we had. Uh, I do want to give you guys a little bit to, to think about for the, for the next couple of weeks. You mentioned bringing everybody back if we come back with the same club next season. There, I mean, obviously there's going to be guys taking looks at Kalen, at Bees, at Moreno, and the performances they put out on the pitch this year. So we're not going to get into it tonight, but just think about that. You know, there's the possibility that we could see guys moving on either to other USL clubs or moving up to a more prestigious league somewhere. And I, I do want to give you know, one. We do also have coming up. We didn't talk about this week. Um, Major uh, Mayor Tim Keller and the feasibility study for a new stadium. Yeah, that's out there. So hopefully we'll we'll talk about that next week. Um, and I just kind of want to leave like one final thought for everybody. If you're one of these people that's saying Troy out hashtag Troy out. Two years, guys. We've shown improvement. We were not even a club two years ago. Like, think about mm-hmm. that. Two years ago, we weren't, we didn't even have a club. This is not Liverpool. This is not Everton. This is not Man U. You're not gonna contend for a title from the jump. 
you're going to build in increments and you're going to make a culture, you're going to make a club and you're going to succeed. You want long-term success and that starts from step one. But that's the thing. That's the thing, Seth. That's the thing. You say we, you can't get tanned for a, uh, for a cup from the start, but yet here we are. Yeah, exactly. And that's a testament to Troy. Like that's mm-hmm. not the expectation. Like you're, you don't come into league saying we're going to win the cup year one. We're not going to contend for the cup year one. It's Troy and getting these clubs both last year and this year to come together and put forth the effort on the pitch, on the practice grounds that put us in a position to where we could potentially do that. Agreed. Agreed. So that was Seth's uh, final word. Earl, you got uh, anything coaching related, not coaching related, season related. Um, What do you want to leave us on here? So here's my final word on the season. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One, thank you to the fans who stuck through this crazy season and didn't just call it quits when freaking March 15th happened and we shut down. Thank you to United and the players, the United players, for sticking around and not calling it quits when shit hit the fan and the going got tough. And mostly thank you to Peter, Peter Trevisani, for pursuing this season and fighting for the season, even though we had played 17 freaking games on the road, 18 if you count the El Paso match. You had to play all those freaking games on the road. Jacob said, shaking his head, I'm terrible at math, so it could be 17 total, 18 possibly. I don't freaking know. Nor do I really. We only played 15. We only played 15 in the regular season. So. Well, here's the thing. Nor do I really care how many matches we really played. Exactly. It felt like a freaking 34 game season. It did. Watching the team week in and week out, fly out, drive out. Can't tell you how many countless countless times I drove to freaking Mesa del Sol to go see the team off. How many times I showed up at the airport to welcome the team back. Thank you to Peter for allowing this crazy season to happen. And I can't wait for next season when we're actually hopefully in the stands like we were last season, 15,000 people strong, screaming our faces off and me not being able to go to church in the morning because I can't really talk. Hmm. Seth, I'll give you one last chance if you if you wanted to add to that or, or had another thought pop into your head that wasn't coaching related. No, that's it. I mean, just echo, you know, thank you to the club for everything. Like, we wouldn't be here without the club. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the club and Peter... And everybody from the top down has done everything they could to make the season happen. They kept trying to get us home matches. They went so far as to rent out Widener Field to allow United fans the opportunity to see the club in person today. Uh, I mean, aside from going out to El Paso, I mean, we really didn't get the opportunity to do that at all this year. And so absolutely what Earl said, a huge thank you to Peter and everyone else there at the club for making this season happen to the extent that it did. Yeah. And I, I obviously, um, second or third, uh, everything that you guys just said there. Um, so instead of repeating all that, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Chris. I'm going to talk to Amando and I'm going to talk to Kaylin and, um, I'm going to, um, say, I fully understand if you leave, 
as long as it's a better opportunity, MLS or something like that. If 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 you're in the USL again next year, please, 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 dear God, come back. Um, especially with Amando and Kalen, you guys having never experienced a sold out home match um, and not getting the full United experience this year with everything that happened. Um, if you come back next year, uh, it will be twice as loud as it was last year, which I don't even know if it's physically possible, but it will be if you guys come back um, and, and actually get to hear us in the stands again. Um, and that being said, I I honestly don't see them leaving to another USL squad. Um, but I could be wrong. I didn't think Santi was going to leave either. So with that being said, guys, um, a sad conclusion to the end of the season for United, but... Uh, a successful season, I think, nonetheless. So we'll be back next week. We'll we'll kind of wrap up the um, <clears throat> conference finals. Uh, like Seth said, we'll talk about the roster a little bit. We'll talk about um, the future home of New Mexico United, hopefully, in a form of a new stadium. Um, I'm sure I'm sure a thousand other things will happen between now and then that will we'll be able to get on here and chat for hours on hours on end about. So we're going to wrap it up a little earlier than usual. Um, not as early as Earl wanted, but uh, uh, still a little earlier than usual. So partially on my fault. I also had some very lengthy rants in there. So um, with that, again, catch us on social media. Earl runs the Facebook page, does a fantastic job. I run the Twitter, do an okay job. Yeah, um, you, you do pretty freaking good. Just so you know. Well, I try. I, I try to be try to be on there as much as possible. Um, Seth, you got the website. You you're the man behind this podcast. Uh, you're the man that has given us an outlet for Somosinos News this year, um, and for that, I am truly grateful. And, and I'm grateful for what we got planned moving forward and stuff. And um, so, reach out to us on social media or email. I heard Earl got a, a dead venture media email set up if or could, at least was attempting to get it set up. If I can get that uh, crap Steve. figured out. So you can email us at Seth Earl or Jacob at deadventuresmedia.com and eventually we will get it set up and reply to you. So um, for that guys, I'm Jacob from a boy, Seth and Earl here. Uh, we'll catch you next week. And uh, until then, somos news. You've been listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff, too, on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.